like to hear the puppeteers play the characters that you cheer. So join us as we go, go, go below the frame. On this episode of Below the Frame, I'm talking with Sesame Street Muppet performer John Kennedy. We'll talk about learning everything you can and putting it into your puppetry and how he just can't stop working. We're also going to learn about one of the things a puppeteer can't live without. So, no need to memorize your lines. It's time to go Below the Frame. Go, go, go Below the Frame. Welcome to Below the Frame. It's a podcast. It's about talking with people around the Muppets from Sesame Street and Disney. It's hosted by me. I'm Matt Vogel. And uh, (laughs) hi. Uh, Not only do we talk with those Muppet Universe folks, we also talk about puppetry and what you need to do if you want to be a Muppet performer. Now, it is not a guarantee that following the advice given to you on this podcast will actually result in you being on Sesame Street or on the next thing the Muppets do. We just, we can't make that kind of guarantee. There's, there's simply no research to support it, but, but who knows? You know, if you work hard enough and you stay persistent, you just might find yourself working alongside people like myself or, or my guest today. And speaking of my guest, he is raring and ready to go, and I am ready to, and I know that you are. So let's do it then. Let's go Below the Frame with John Kennedy. Joining me today is a puppeteer who's worked with Sesame Street. He's worked with the Muppets. He's worked at Disney World. He's worked on Dinosaurs. He's worked on the Wubulous World of Dr. Seuss. He's worked on Dog City. He's worked for a bunch of others and for himself as well. He has written two books on puppetry, Puppet Mania, the world's most incredible puppet-making book ever. It says so on the cover. And Puppet Planet, the most amazing puppet-making book in the universe. And I have no reason to doubt that. (laughs) Both of these books you can find online. He has an album of great music from his band, Johnny K Band, called Walk the Loop, that's available where you find music. And he has done so much. And he is always creating. And whenever I see him for work on Sesame Street, he's usually also working uh, during every break or every opportunity on some other project that he's got going on as well. It is my pleasure to welcome the very talented, very creative, and very busy John Kennedy. John Kennedy, hello. Welcome to Below the Frame. Thank you, Mr. Matt Vogel. <laughs> I'm uh, on the radio. You're right here with me, right here. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's talk about where you came from. You're from Indiana, is that right? That's right. I'm a Hoosier. You are, Ed, and uh, tell me a little bit about where you grew up. Well, Plainfield, Indiana. It pretty much was a plain field. There really was oh, really? nothing. Yeah, there really was <laughs> nothing to do there. I remember when we no. got our first Marsh grocery store. We had a Kroger's, oh. but we got a competing grocery store. And you just drive down the main drag there, and you could see it from a really far distance away because <laughs> it was just a field. And there's a Marsh grocery store. <laughs> and was that a big day in your town? It was. That was huge. And then then we got our. Um, like a, a little community that, that grew up next to that. So oh. the new housing community. And that was exciting. We'd ride our bikes through there and go, wow, they're building houses. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about your family growing up in Plainfield. Uh, well, my dad was a sports nut and he loved to watch all kinds of sports. And 
I wasn't that excited about it. <laughs> so while he would do sports I, or listen to sports on the TV, which he had to, he had to be there for anything that was, it was always a game, a big game. It's always a big game. It's so all kinds of sports, everything, football, baseball, basketball. He, well, he wasn't excited about baseball, although he liked playing it. Uh, he didn't watch a lot of the baseball games, but football, that was huge. And definitely basketball. Cause he grew up in French Lake, Indiana, where Larry Bird is from. My my mom did too, and that's where they met, and that's where they used to go to the the high school there and watch Larry Bird play. They were older than him, so they heard about this hotshot basketball player, and he and they would drive back. It was a couple hours back to French Lick down to see the games at their old high school, and you know he didn't disappoint. He was really good, and nothing ever happened to that guy anyway. No, right? no, he nothing. he just yeah, he just uh, disappeared Never heard of again. Nope, yeah. nope. <laughs> What, Number what, 33. <laughs> what kind of things did you do as a kid then? You're, you didn't obviously weren't listening to sports. So what did you do? Well, it's kind of funny. Even today, I, when I listen to sports, I get creative. So if I want to get something done, I turn on a football game and I have no idea what's happening or who the teams are, <laughs> but that is just in my brain that I, the, the sound of football on TV makes me want to make puppets. It's a motivational tool for you. It is because I, my mind would just go like, well, I'm not watching that. What can I do? And then I would get really creative. So as a kid, then what did that mean you were creating? Uh, oh, well, I would carve foam. I would make, I just had all ideas for puppets. I just, when, when I asked my mom at age three, will you make a puppet for me? And she said, I don't know how. I kind of just came up with it on my own. You built I, your own first puppet at age three? Yeah, I stapled together uh, green fabric to make a Kermit. <laughs> Cardboard <laughs> mouth and some fabric. My mom let me go into her little fabric bag. She had all these little scraps. And uh, I would take those scraps and staple them together to make things. And And that was the first thing. I, I want to do that that character on Sesame Street, that Kermit guy. <laughs> so as a kid, what made you think, I want to build a puppet? Oh, well, you know. Jim Henson, really. I mean, Sesame Street, I saw that for the first time, you know, and uh, I, I didn't see the first season. I heard, I heard about it, and uh, my neighbor, David Follis, he, uh, he, he's my age, and he had, uh, he had the antenna that you could have attached to the back of your TV to pick up that, those channels. So I had to beg my parents to go buy that, and they're like, oh, okay. So <laughs> you would screw it on the back of this giant TV that we had. <laughs> <laughs> and then you could get Sesame Street. It was so it was an exciting day. I still remember. So you watched Sesame Street, did, and you were making puppets. And then along came the Muppet Show. I'm going to guess that you were enamored yeah. of that as well. Oh yeah, I saw it in the paper. Uh, it was on the front of you know the Indianapolis Star. You know had uh, a, a weekly you know flyer inside of all the the new TV shows. And that the photo of the Muppet Show was on the cover of that. And I saved that. I was like, this is it. This because I'd seen, um, you know, the specials that they had done, you know, before that. And I, I knew about the Muppets and um, what, what was it? Uh, Sacks and Violence. That was one of their specials before. It was kind it of was a pilot kind of for the right. Muppet Show, wasn't it? I remember seeing that. And at the end, they panned down from the puppets and you saw all the performers running around like crazy. And I was just like, 
I want to do that. <laughs> I got to do so you that. You knew at a young age, you were like, I, that, this is what I want to be. I want to be a puppeteer. I want to work those guys. Yeah. So first, first grade, the teacher was like, uh, I want to talk to you about idols. Does anybody have an idol? Oh, Jim Henson. <laughs> just, I mean, that was it. I just knew that's what I wanted to do. And what was funny is, uh, and I didn't even realize this, but my dad, he's a funny guy. He loved jokes. He loved telling jokes and funny stories. And he loved Stan Freeberg. And so when I first started listening to records, he said, well, if you want to listen to a really good record, this is it. And he handed me a 45 of uh, Banana Boat or uh, Deo. And it was yeah. Stan Freeberg, you know, his spoof of, of the Harry Belafonte song. And and I didn't know it, but the, Jim Henson used to do that stuff. He would do the, he would, on his first uh, TV series, he would, uh, lip sync to all those old Stan Freeberg records and yeah, others this was, too. This was in the fifties. This was Sam and friends. Yes. Yeah. And, and Jim and Jane yep. would lip sync to, to records. And some of the, some of the records were Stan Freeberg records. Right. Some of them were. And, um, and so I had done the same thing in elementary school. I had brought in all my puppets and I had all my friends in my class f- for the convocation or I think it was a talent show. We um, we did Shaboom, which is another really good Stan Freeberg one. Uh, awesome song where they stick old rags in their mouth, and they, they would just the characters that come out of the song, and they stop, and they somebody has uh, you know an encounter with another character, and they you know as. I remember Jane Henson talking about how the Muppets spar in one uh, documentary. And that that's kind of what they did, too. You know, the characters in those Stan Freeberg songs would spar with each other. You know, someone's too loud, someone's too soft, man, you're stepping on my toes. Or, you know, get to, I come through the window, you know. <laughs> he bashes through the window, so there's sound effects. So is this really... It was just exciting to listen to, and I still love listening to those uh, albums. They're great. Oh, yeah, they're great. They're great. And it's fun to hear Jim's inspiration, vocal, some vocal inspiration from Stan mm-hmm. Freeberg. Yeah. So when you were growing up and you were bringing puppets to school, did you, did you do this all the way through high school? I did, yeah. In my uh, in my yearbooks, there's photos of me. I did this ten uh, uh, foot tall puppet too that had a big PVC pipe stage all around him. I called him Mister Spirit because I got college credit to uh, have the Key Club, which was um, you know one group you could join in high school. And I was the president of Key Club, and I said, "Hey, all you guys, you got to come in and help me with this puppet." So one person did the arm, and one did the other arm, and then a couple of people did the these the feet. And my mom made me a big jersey, you know, Red Pride 86. <laughs> that would fit this giant thing. And then I did like mechanisms inside. Uh, that made the eyes roll all around and the mouth move, and there was a, a sleeve for the tongue, and then there was another button I could push, and the eyebrows would go up and down. You okay, know, hold on just a second. Yeah. How did you know how to build mechs? Did you just make it up? I did. I, I had no idea. Just from TV and watching, you know, special effects things, and there weren't too many out there. No, but I, just, I can't like, think that there figured were. It out. I figured out that if I sort of held... Um, I don't know how I came up with that pin. I, I came up with a, a, a dowel that went across and then another dowel that kind of wedged onto that. Maybe it was just from tearing things apart and, you know, tearing toys apart and figuring out how they work. Uh-huh. You know, I would do, and I would do that with stuffed animals too. I'd make patterns. 
I would tear apart uh, bear stuffed bears, and then oh, there's the pattern. I would trace it, and then I would sew my own, and I would give them to you know potential girlfriends <laughs> in high school. So you're completely self-taught with with all of your puppet making, or in your career, have you ever had somebody kind of come along, or have you sought other? In instruction from other people as you've as you've gone on in years, or are you completely self-taught? Mostly completely. I, I figured out that I made every mistake. You know, I sewed foam together to begin with. I took a big needle and yarn and sewed it together. Um, but and what's the, wrong with that? Well, there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> it's just hard to do. <laughs> and, and there's no fumes. That's the good side. Yep. Uh, but, you know, all those glues that you would see in like... Um, uh, Life magazine had a great uh, Muppets article in it, and inside you saw Miss Piggy's body, like not covered with, you know, fabric or costume. You saw the foam and the pattern, and I was like, it blew my mind. Like, look at all those darts and pieces and things that are pieced together. I just, and I would look at the, I'd get a, a magnifying glass and try to read the labels in the photo, of, like the glue and what they were using. You know, I was trying to piece this puzzle together. <laughs> How do I do this? Because the only shop I had to buy stuff was this Danner's Five and Dime. And it was a tiny little section on the wall of just little pieces of fur and styrofoam balls. and yep, The little you know, googly those. eyeballs. Yeah, and I, I didn't want any of those things. No, you wanted <laughs> better, bigger. You wanted more fur. Like, give me a two, three yards of it. <laughs> right. But, yeah, and all those photos, all you know, people, I remember doing that Shaboom song in elementary school, and one of the ladies, uh, one of the moms cried because she, she knew that that's what I was going to do. You know, and I just had this sort of, um, you know, a, a, a cheerleading squad behind me to do this. You know, people who just thought, you know, he he's going somewhere with this. You know, guidance counselors didn't know what to do with me. <laughs> they <would> say, <laughs> hey, uh, they say, what do you want to do? Uh, there's all kinds of opportunities out there. Oh, well, uh, I want to be a puppeteer. Oh, well. Good luck. <laughs> can't help you there. <laughs> I can't help you. That brings me to the question of college. Where where do you go then? I mean, at that time, were there puppetry programs? I had a real quandary. You know, I'd sort of put together my own program. I had, I said, what do, what do Muppets do? They dance. So I better learn to dance. So I was in the, the show choir in school. They learned, they sing. So I took lessons to sing. Um, well, Kermit plays the banjo. I better learn the banjo. So I took banjo and then I love bass guitar and I ended up playing that in jazz band. And, uh, I just, I loved music and I just would pick up anything and kind of play along with it. But then I seriously took lessons on a few things, never piano, but I love faking piano. Um, so I did my own program and, um, but this and then, is your own program that you came up with yeah. during high school. Yeah, and elementary school. Just all these, and, I just like, I'm going to do this. And if I'm going to do it, I better be ready, you know? Right. So you've got all, you've taught yourself all these things. But now what yeah. do you do when it comes time to go to college? Well, I got pretty good at singing. And um, my, uh, my choir director wanted me to follow in his footsteps and go to uh, Butler University. So he set me up with an audition for a scholarship, and I got it. And then I, I got into a note. We went to a show choir camp at uh, ISU, and I got a half scholarship there, too, for singing. So I had, 
I was just going to do my puppet thing. You know, after high school, I'd gotten a job at the Indianapolis Union Station. Actually, while I was still in high school, I got this job and had to get a doctor's note to go to the opening <laughs> of the thing. But I was a singer, dancer, um, and then I uh, was um, I played the banjo and did puppetry and put a hat out, you know, and it's sort of like a, a quadruple big threat. I was. They just said, hey, let this guy go. I haven't do anything he wants. So I would just show up and, and clock in and do whatever I wanted to do. And they were half fine with that. Do you remember your show? Do you remember what you used to do? Uh, well, they had a license that I could do anything I wanted. So I said, well, I'm, I'm just going to do Muppet songs. <laughs> so I just had a boom box. And uh, I put a medley together of uh, big band music, and I sort of had a routine with a puppet that stra- I called him String Bean, and he attached to my feet, and I had um, arms and with um, rods, and they're kind of like the dance monsters on Sesame Street, like that, you know. And I'd seen it done before, so I wasn't like making anything up new, but I'd never seen anybody do everything on their own, and I kind of came up with this cross pattern with my hands, where the middle rod with the head went through. It was almost like a, a you know a grip for for golf. <laughs> you hold this here, and then you had your thumb and your index fingers together to do the arm rods on the side. So I would rock them. You could do that. You could shake. You could hold on to you know two of them, an arm and a, and the head, and then do like a gesture with the other hand, and then get back into it. You know, and then all the steps I knew with the feet. So I did you know a whole routine to this medley, and then I would do. Um, Manamana and Rainbow Connection. So I probably did that over the three or four years that I was there, a thousand or so times. <laughs> I mean, really? literally every day. Every day. Every you were day. out there. And, and did you make good money? I did. But um, <laughs> there's so many stories about just what happened to people giving me money. What, what happened with that? You know, there were drunk crowds throwing money at me for fun. <laughs> There was, I had stalkers that would come that would just show up and like stand there and watch me. (laughs) Um, and it's just you, it's just you completely that you don't have like anybody there helping you at the time. No, just me. And, and I I would put out a hat and I'd make like $30 a hat for like a 10 minute show. It was great. So much so that, you know, when I was doing this in between singing and dancing upstairs, we would do the Can't Stop Dancing number and the country music number and the, the Beatles medley. And <laughs> it, we and this these were like professional dancers, singers and dancers. We we're doing it to a track, but the solos were were real and we sang for real. But there was always that backup track behind us. And we were on these like uh tiles it was weird like a really hard floor and there was one part where i would it was uh the can't stop dancing number they i could do a split jump so they had me dive off the top platform do a split jump in the air and land on the bottom that was like my trick (laughs) and landing on those tiles was killer oh yeah (laughs) it was was hurt no dance floor or anything for you to land on just the tile floor yeah yeah, it was like brick tile. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> no. Uh, how are your knees now? I'm okay, surprisingly. You know, I, I'm I'm really lucky physically that I that I haven't destroyed my body through the years. <laughs> all the things that I've done. Yeah. You know too the things yeah. you see me do on the set. <laughs> I know. Uh, so you now have to go to college. Yes. So what do you decide to do? 
uh, I had to tell everybody that I didn't want to take those scholarships and follow my heart and do puppetry. And it didn't go over that well. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, when people are trying to give you money to come to their school right. and you're like, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> right. Everybody's just go, you're naive, just go and do it and get it out of the way. You know, like, I, th- I just feel like every, I, the reason I started singing was to be a better puppeteer. It's the only reason I did it. It wasn't because, Oh, I'm going to be a singer. You know, it wasn't that at all. And so I just, you know, I didn't want to go off on some tangent and then go, but I, I wanted to do that. <laughs> and then see everything happen, you know, through time. Now I could have worked on that. You know, that, yeah. that was supposed to be me. <laughs> okay, let's start class. You know, and I'm in teaching class somewhere, singing yeah. in high school. You don't want to do that. So then what yeah. does that mean for you? What do you end up what do you end up deciding um, to do? Well, what was interesting. You know, I didn't. I did go to college, but I went to a state-funded college because my dad wasn't so excited about me going to these, getting these scholarships. Because even though, you know, I got a half scholarship for both colleges, it still was a lot of money I was going to have to pay. And he was a wounded veteran, so hmm. not in wartime, but he a tank rolled over his leg <laughs> in the mud, so it didn't crush his leg. But he always had knee problems after that, and and he was done. You know, they said, okay, send him home. But he had a, a discount to any state-funded college. So I went to IUPUI. People say ooey pooey. Ooey pooey. <laughs> the Indiana uh, University, Purdue, Purdue University at Indianapolis. That's it, yes. What is yeah, it? You, Indiana University, Purdue University at Indianapolis. Yeah. It, is that it, right? It, I think you got it right first. I it's uh, Indiana University, Purdue University at Indianapolis. At Indianapolis. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just downtown Indianapolis. It's right next to the Union Station. So I would, you know, do, I continued working and I would just do classes, but all I took were theater classes. <laughs> I never, I never went to finish at all. I never finished my freshman year and I was there for three years. <laughs> I just took, you were out, you were out working and, and I, doing the thing that you loved. The same theory. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah, I wasn't trying to get a degree so I can get on with a career. I already had my career, you know, yeah. I just wanted to, you know, what can I glean? from this you know so i took uh you know acting and um i you know, set building so you took some classes at ooey pooey <laughs> that's right and, uh, and doc, dr dorothy webb sort of took me under her wing in the children's theater department and um the, there was another uh a, a writer a children's uh playwright uh Orand harris who who written a bunch of plays and this one was uh that i got the lead in was um huck finn story and uh it was a a point where i had actually while i was taking classes in college i had gone to um new york and had auditioned for the muppets this is around 87 and i'd done a couple of workshops never never met jim henson at that point hadn't met him at that point but when I got that role as Huck Finn and Huck Finn's story with the playwright that was there, you know, in town, just and I get the lead role, they called from the Muppets and said, Jim Henson, Jim Henson's going to be doing a workshop and can you come for this one? And I couldn't do it. I had to make a choice. And that was the only time I didn't follow my heart. I should have said no, I, I have to go and meet Jim Henson and do this workshop. But instead, I felt bad because you know there's a lot of pressure put on me at that point. Well, John, if you don't if you don't 
stay here and and you're not here for the beginning of the the workshops for the show you probably won't be the lead and like oh well it was important i think to do that it was like yeah, a 45 I, minute monologue basically and, and, and keep it, yes keep your commitment uh, yeah. what you were going to do. Yeah. But I want to go back just for a minute because you said you'd already auditioned for Muppets. You'd already been in yeah. contact with them and you'd done a couple of workshops? I had. Yeah. Well, my uncle, um, Paul E. Kennedy, passed away recently, but he he was art director for Dover Publishing in New York. He had met, taken the, the trek from uh, Indiana, French Lick, to, uh, to, to New York. His car broke down in the Lincoln Tunnel and... <laughs> <laughs> you know, classic Happens story. Everybody, starring everybody. artist, and you know, he met his wife there, and in the Lincoln and, Tunnel. No, just in oh. New York. Yeah, he he. Uh, the story I heard from my parents was that he was he was a starving artist, and she was a waitress, and she would uh, give him pancakes, leftover pancakes to eat. So that's how they met. <laughs> Uh, but he he actually brought me to the door of uh, what two twenty five East sixty seventh Street because uh, he he's you know very artistic guy he he, he had uh, gone to IU and he um, was an amazing painter you know I mean this, this guy he built he built harpsichords from scratch. And and sells them to or- orchestras around the world. Yeah, he that's what he does as a that's, as a in addition what, to working. In, yeah, in, in publishing. Addition, yeah, because I would visit him. Uh, one of the work. Well, that first workshop he took me to. Then he um, he let me go into his workshop that he had rented a space downtown. Uh, uh, I don't know Greenwich Village, I think, because that's where he lived at that time, and. Um, he um, and Dover Publishing was in that area too, where he was the art director for for thirty years, and so he had that his little basement workshop for all his harpsichords, and he would, um, you know, he, he just loved making these things, and he'd paint murals on them that were, you know, amazing. Uh, just an incredibly talented guy, you know. So I, I felt, you know, I could probably do these things too someday. This is not out of reach, you know. Okay, if he can do it, I can do it. And maybe yeah, it sounds like family. you come from a very you come from a very creative family. It sounds yeah, like yeah. My mom loved music. My dad loved musicals. You know, even though he was you know really into sports and hunting, and that's what he wanted me to do. He he loved to you know sing Brigadoon on a Sunday morning. <laughs> it's like the house was always full of music. Our record player was always going. You know, yeah. on, on the in the weekends, so, during the week, that's uh, you know, well, that's sports time. It's sports time, yeah, <laughs> in the evenings or or in the afternoons on the weekend. You know, and that would be like I'd listen to him singing, and we'd sing along, and then it was like, oh, time for a game. Okay, I'll go back to my puppets now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so your uncle takes yeah. you to the door. He does. Uh, to, to 225 uh, East 60, uh, 67th Street. 7th is that right? Street, yeah, yeah. And that's the carriage house. Yeah. And they're doing a, a, a workshop. This is the first one, I'm assuming, right? This is the first, first one, one that you went to? Right, the first one, yeah. And that was Jane Henson. Because right after high school, I sent... Um, <clears throat> you. Oh, I was going to tell you, you'd ask me if, who had... Uh, who had helped me with any classes or anything. There was only one class I ever took, and it was with Verna Finley, who uh, mm-hmm. made the puppet uh, Peanut. You know that character, the uh, Jeff Dunham, 
ventriloquist. He has yes. a character named Peanut, yes. and she right. made the original one for him. She was a, a legend in in uh, ventriloquist building. And so, right after high school, I and work in a Union Station. I sent um, uh, just I sent a letter to Verna and to Muppets at the same time with photos of my puppets from, you know, from the time I was three up. And, um, they, um, I got a letter back from both of them from Jane Henson, who sent me a letter and said, if you can get here, you know, you definitely can come to a workshop, you know? So that's, then I called my uncle and that's how I got to that door. And Verna Finley sent me, uh, a letter back saying, Oh, I'd love to teach you how to build puppets, you know, please come to my house. And so, I flew to Punta Gorda, Florida, where she lived, and um, and she just let me stay at her house for four days and build a puppet for free, and she fed me, and I, and she gave me all, like, all her patterns, and she was just the nicest lady, and I met her family, and they took me out to eat, and she was kind of excited that, you know, I was this young puppet builder who wanted to learn, and so she taught me how to do the patterning and how to use the... Uh, the glue, the stinky glues. (laughs) Like one of the first things I saw her do was she would make the teeth out of just white foam. Like, um, you know, that thin, uh, it's a really thin, thin sheet foam you could buy. It's like an eighth of an inch thick and she would soak it in white uh, paint. And then she would just put it out in the Florida sun and just kind of bake it. And (laughs) come back and it was real durable teeth, you know, and then she would glue those in and she had a really cool sewing machine. And I, you know, I just soaked everything up that she was doing, you know, and she and I made this puppet head that I still have. Uh, And it had a mechanism in it, too, that the eyebrows would would go up and down with a coat hanger wire and a thimble sewed to it. And so I've showed people how to do that as well. It's like, oh, that's really, you know, neat. You know, and I, I, I built it and she'd, she'd showed me how. But um, so that's really the only class I took. And it's just amazing how nice people were to, to me. Just someone who's a kid who obviously wanted to do this for a living and was serious about it. And they weren't going to waste their time. You know, like I wouldn't just come to Florida and go, where's the pool? You know, <laughs> but I also think, you know, she, she recognized that being a puppet builder in general, being an art, art an artist like that mm-hmm. is rare. There's yeah. not a lot of them out there. It, it probably lifted her spirits and she wanted to pass on what she knew to you. Well, she was super nice, so um, I just uh, I owe her a, a debt of gratitude for that, you know, for being um, hmm. welcoming me in like that, you know. Yeah. And uh, you know, and that, and you know, the, I think you say the passion. I think part of my passion for all of it is for puppetry, you know, in general, is that you can do any it's such an eclectic art form. You can do music. You can do all these things that I felt like, you know, I passed up maybe you know to do as a career any one of those things could be a career but in puppetry it's all part of the same thing and it's anything, all of them yeah and and all those things that i learned you know i one i didn't know how to juggle and one you know one summer in high school i said i'm gonna learn how to juggle you know i might use that sometime and uh i just went out in the backyard and just i'm gonna i'm gonna get some sun and i'm gonna learn <laughs> and i just you know i picked that those Pick them up forever. It's like all days and days till I find. I got it, you know. And finally, once you get it, you know, you'll always remember that. And I've used that in puppetry as well, like the Swedish Chef's hands. I've juggled chalk eggs before, and um, 
uh, Elmo. One of the first, the first thing I ever did on Sesame Street was in L.A. while we were doing uh, dinosaurs. Kevin said, "Hey, come on and uh, you know help me with this Elmo thing." Well, I think it was me and Julianne Busher. We came and it was uh, Elmo Imagination music video, and it called for juggling and I got to juggle for Elmo. We did it kind of did his fake sort of his hands would bobble up and down at the bottom of frame. And then I just over my head had the balls, you know, up high and then just into frame. And I was juggling like That's that. It's easy I, to juggle that way. No, it's really, it's, it's not intuitive at all. No. <laughs> so, you, you just, and that's what I had to do with the, the chalk eggs too, is hold over my head and then sort of, up and over just enough to get it to the other hand and then just get enough juggle in there for a take, you know? <laughs> uh, hold on, John. I hate to interrupt you, but it is time for a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Sesame Street Muppet performer Peter Lentz. You may remember me from characters like Todd the Weasel, Michigan J. Flibbenflobber, and Little Ping Pong Paddle on Sesame Street. Oh, and also Ernie. When people ask me, how do you memorize all those lines? I just smile and say, I don't. I double stick them. Then, of course, they'll say in a confused way, double stick them? What's that mean? My response is a confident, it's tape that's sticky on both sides, and I use that to stick my script to the monitor. The person will look at me a little sideways and maybe a little bit judgy and say, are you being paid to endorse double stick tape? I'll smile knowingly and look deeply into their soul and say, no. How I wish I was being paid to endorse double stick tape. That had set me up for weeks. I could buy all the milk I wanted and just let it go bad. (laughs) They'll take a few steps back because I'm so close to their face and they'll say, are you okay? You seem a bit off. To which I'll reply, I'm a bit off. You accuse me of memorizing my lines and I'm a bit off. (laughs) Well, don't that beat all. Don't that beat all. Then they'll turn their back and start to run away from me, but I'm quick like a teapot. I'll catch him and pin him to the ground and say, ha ha, caught you. The name's Peter Lentz and I'm the fastest puppeteer in the land. They'll stagger to their feet, brush themselves off and walk away shaking their head, but we both know who won this battle of wits. Double stick tape. That's who. This has been a paid endorsement. Milk money! That's right. Today's episode of Below the Frame is brought to you by Double Stick Tape. That is undoubtedly my son, Jack. Come in, Jack. Hey, Dad. How'd you know it was me? It's it's always you, Jack. We we run the ad, then I thank them for being a sponsor, then you knock, and you come in here and you give me a hard time. Wow, you really got me figured out. Uh, did you need something, Jack? Oh, I was just curious what your little fake ad was about today. Um, double Stick Tape. You didn't add about tape? Is that what this podcast has come to? Look, you need real sponsors, Matt. Uh, you can call me Dad. Uh, Jack, what do you mean? I, you know, I, I can't get real sponsors. Yes, you can. Like what? Beanball. Beanball? You, you mean the app that you created? Yes, just think about it. Uh, um, just to bring everybody up to speed, Jack actually did create an app called Beanball. Uh, it's a baseball game. Well, actually, it's more than just a baseball game. Beanball is, hang on, come in. Jack, did you mention that Beanball is a game? Yeah, I I was about to, but you... No worries. I'll take it from here. Hello, listeners. It's me, Devin Milberg, co-creator of the very real app Beanball and best friend of Jack Vogel. Beanball is a game of strategy and conquest seen through the lens of the great American pastime. Baseball. Play ball. And he's gone. Jack, did you even know that Devin was here? No. 
But there you go, a real honest-to-goodness ad. Well, thank you, Jack. Um, Hey, wait a second. Aren't you forgetting something? What's that? Well, since it's a real ad and it's on my podcast, you really should be paying for the ad time, don't you think? And he's gone. Okay, well, I'd like to thank Beanball for being a sponsor of Below the Frame. Yes, it's a real app. We are back with John Kennedy. What happened after you said no to that workshop that Jim was going to be at? Um, well, I was still on the list. They, at that time, they were doing a lot of workshops. And I don't know, I don't know if they, they knew they might be coming to Florida or and they were just looking for people. But they, they weren't, def- they well, weren't you, auditions, but like every few months, they would do another workshop. You know, What year was this approximately? This was, um, I mean, I started calling them in 86 i think and it was 87 88 89 you know those years so it was around the time the later part was around the time of the original disney deal right right and that you know they gave me no indication that that was going to happen even though i was talking to the puppeteer coordinator uh, you know a lot for the you know what dates the workshops were and that sort of thing i was just i was in this sort of uh, group of people that they were considering to do right hands in the future. And they would, they told me that at some point they said, if you, you know, we would love to, you know, you know, possibly use you in something you'd be, you know, right handing or assisting, but we, we can't fly you in. You would need to be living somewhere that we are working. And so I just had that right. dilemma and I didn't know, well, I, I can't move to New York. I don't have a job. I, I don't have any money. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, everything was going into school and building puppets and I'd had some jobs at the Indianapolis Repertory Theater doing big puppets, and and I met Brad Williams, uh, who, who uh, has passed away as as well. But uh, he was a puppet builder for um, the Eugene O'Neill uh, Center, and uh, th- that was a big deal because he knew Muppet people, and that that blew my mind that I even was, you know, working with someone that worked with Muppet people. And he was super nice, and he took me under his wing. Another person that just like, hey, come and and uh, you'll be my assistant, and you know, help me re you know revamp these puppets. And I became the lead in um, the Indianapolis uh, Symphony Orchestra's uh, Yuletide celebration, which I think still continues to this day. But it started back in '87, I think. And I played Scrooge. I was in this giant puppet costume that Brad built. You know, so um, I'm sorry I keep getting off track here. <laughs> no, that's totally uh, fine because these are all the things that happen to us in our lives, oh, and, they, yeah. and they all—it's not like it just goes straight to where right. you want to be. There are all these little side roads and little, oh, yeah. uh, you know. But uh, um, it, it, at any rate, I was trying to get to uh, back to New York to another workshop, and I knew if I had if I was somewhere where they were working that. Uh, this would be, you know, my goal to now, now I've done, I've done all this. I've gone there. They're interested in working with me. Now I just have to move somewhere they're working. (laughs) (laughs) So where did you move? You didn't move to New York. Well, it was the most amazing thing happened. It was fate. It was, you couldn't believe you wouldn't, you couldn't even write this stuff. You know, it was, um, I found out in the paper 
that uh, di- you know Disney's buying the Muppets and they're moving to Florida. And I went Florida. I like Florida. <laughs> Gone to vacation there, in Disney World, and I could go there. They might need me there. I I just it was just a moment of excitement when I saw them. Just like this is it. This is this is the answer. And I'm you gonna, knew that was what you had to do. I, I have to go to Florida. Yeah, and so. Um, I called up my contact at, at Henson and I said, Hey, uh, if I moved to Florida, uh, do you think you could use me? And they said, well, there might be a good chance of it. Right. <laughs> they wouldn't say yes or no. Of course not. I said, Oh, I just got to get to Florida. Well, if you were there, it would be, uh, you know, better, you know? So they were kind of nudging me like, yeah, I, that might be if a good idea. If you found idea. yourself in Florida, that would be good. <laughs> yeah, maybe, exactly. For you. <laughs> right. So so I hung up with them going, oh, I just got to get to Florida. <laughs> I don't want to do it. I went, Disney World. Well, they're at Disney World. What What if I um, What if I call Disney World? So I just called the 1-800 number and said, hey, you got any jobs? Uh, and I thought I'd just, you know, sweep streets or something you know i didn't know what i'd do you didn't say like i can dance i can play the banjo i can sing i can no i didn't say any of that you didn't list all those things you just said said, any job i just said well i i said do you have anything in like characters i just like made up something and they went oh you mean uh costume characters I went, uh, yeah, costume characters, <laughs> sure. sure. <laughs> they had that. And uh, they said, well, where, where'd you say you're calling from? Uh, in, Indi- Indiana, Indianapolis area. Oh, in two weeks, we're having auditions for costume characters, you know, people in suits, basically, in Indianapolis. And I was like, what is this? Really? Well, you know, sign me up. <laughs> I'm going to go. And uh, a couple, and I knew this thing was happening, and I was excited about it because I'll see if I get this job. And then because they would relocate you to Florida, but that's it. I'll get the job, and I didn't know what the job was. I just costume characters. <laughs> so, and then my dad, you know, reading the paper, he said, "Hey, here's this uh, this here come the Muppet Show thing. They're having auditions in Indianapolis. So this is it." This was meant to be. So you just had to show up and do a funky little dance. And if you had coordination and they liked you, I guess, maybe you would fit in the height range of a, a character, you'd get the job. And I aced it because I was dancing, you know, professionally, you know, down the street. Every <laughs> so, day. Every day. So <laughs> it was no problem getting the job. And, um, you know, I talked about, you know, I'm like, hey, the Muppets and, and the Muppets, oh, you might meet them. I don't know. They, you know, I was just saying, well, do you think I could, you know, see some of the Muppets? <laughs> like, yeah, you might be able to. We'll see. <laughs> we'll get you down there first. Yeah. <laughs> So um, they relocated me. I well, they gave me money to drive down, and I left on April seventh, nineteen ninety. And um, I went two days. I went stopped to Atlanta, and then went on. Uh, I was building a puppet along the way too. Not naturally, <laughs> I had in my suitcase. Uh, sweet tomato, the clown. <laughs> Making a sweet tomato <laughs> clown puppet for a, a performer. <laughs> this does not surprise me at all. <laughs> And so I'm still doing it today. As soon as we're done I'm sure, here, I I'm got sure you got to go build a puppet. Four puppets to finish Four, today, of course. Yeah, <laughs> in some way, not from scratch, but yeah. I'm, I'm sure that's right. 
So you go, you move to Orlando, you are yeah. there to be mm-hmm. a character in the uh, Here Come the Muppets show. What is, yeah. can you give me just like a, a, a nutshell of what that show was? It was costume characters of the Muppet characters, and it was, uh, was kind of like everything goes haywire. It was eight, eight shows, 40, let's see, five casts doing eight shows a day. <laughs> so Five cats doing eight four, shows a day. Forty shows they did every day. Forty shows 40 a day. Shows? Is that forty shows? Eight, yeah. Yeah. yeah, eight and five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They. That's how many shows were done. I would do eight oh. shows. It, uh, it was one of five casts. And what did you get to do? I got to do uh, Doctor Teeth. <laughs> and they, I think they had seen, you know, that was in the height range for that character. So Dr. Teeth would come out with the band midway through a, uh, I was in a, uh, a, a monorail that they had, you know, duplicated that would come and crash onto the set. It would come through the curtain and smoke. And it was like the monorail went off the track and landed on the stage. Where was this in the park? The Disney MGM Studios. Was it near where the 3D movie was? It was in that be? area, yeah. And it was that was as as I understand, it was supposed to be a whole area of Muppets, and I think they had planned to move either move that show or do another show in the new Muppet Land. That's what I had heard, but that then never, that never happened. You know, because uh, the day the day that this show was to uh, be approved by Jim Henson. Uh, he passed away. So, which was, uh, you know, the world was sad and I was sad because I, I did get to meet him and I did work with him just a couple weeks earlier. And this was on the, uh, the Muppets go to, to Disney it, world. It was, well, I showed up, uh, and saw that happening. I didn't meet him that day. I saw him, uh, because in that wor- first workshop with Jane Henson, Kevin Clash was there, so he had been watching me as well, like as a potential performer, and I'd stayed. In, and he had done the second workshop I did in New York, and um, but um, he was there when I first showed up, April 9th and they were doing uh, you know, Muppets of Walt Disney World, and Kevin said, finally, you're here. <laughs> and like, oh, what do you mean, finally? <laughs> Nobody said, come, Nobody come said down here. here. That's right. <laughs> I made this on my own. <laughs> right. <laughs> this was my decision to come down here and, and in hopes of working, and now I'm, I'm letting everybody down because I, I didn't get here sooner. <laughs> right. Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. <laughs> Just, well, what did uh, you see? What did you see when you were watching that production? Uh, it was amazing. It was um, as the Camille Bonoro was the other performer in that second workshop I went to, and so you know before I went to any on April night before I went to any of my uh, with the classes they teach you like uh, you know Disney University and all that you have to go through before you ever work at Disney World. I called up my contact there and said. Hey, I, I heard the Muppets are shooting something because someone had said so. I forget how I knew it, but they said, "Oh yeah, it, um, they're shooting in uh, they're in Bungalow One at Disney MGM Studios, and they're shooting on Stage One." And I said, "Well, could I go in tomorrow morning and 
you know, see some of the shooting. No, sure, no problem. <laughs> there was like the security was really, you know, lax at that time. <laughs> they put my name in at the gate. There was, but now if you go there, there's, you know, all you know, all this giant security stuff. You know, if you move your Retinal vehicle, scan. yeah, all that kind of stuff. But back yeah. then, it was just a guy in a little box, and you'd go up and is, is my name on there? Oh yeah, I'm assuming it was it's Charles Groden. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I didn't see him. I think all that <laughs> filming had already taken place. And if I had come two weeks earlier, I might have worked on all that stuff. And that still bugs me today. <laughs> but nobody said anything. <laughs> oh, well, I take that back because they did call the house and they asked my mom if I could come out sooner. And she forgot to tell me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why Kevin said she finally got here. But that's why. she, yeah, she didn't tell me. Oh, if he if he could come down here sooner, we could use him on this thing. And she forgot to tell me that. <laughs> so I waited for two weeks before my date to go down there, and then just happened to show up on the set. You know, and they were all like, "There you are." <laughs> it's pretty cool that you got to see that show being shot. Oh, the neatest moment. You know, walking Camille, I saw her in the hallway, like the bathrooms over there and drinking fountains. And she was there and goes, oh, John, I recognize you from the workshop. You recognized me. I was like, she said, oh, it's so great that you're here. Come on in. And she opens the double doors and there's big swamp number with all the frogs and all the Muppet performers. And it's just like... I made it, you know, this is amazing, you know, and there's Jim Henson in the corner working on something, you know, oh, he must be writing a script or something. And I went over and he was doing a crossword puzzle. <laughs> that was his important thing. And uh, Dave, uh, Dave Goals was there and uh, uh, Jerry Nelson came by and he, I remember he had uh, Robin tied onto his belt loop just hanging dangling there I and mean, he wasn't holding it it was just like he stuck the rod through his belt loop and it was just hanging as he walked by with a drink or something <laughs> <laughs> coffee yeah. or whatever he was at but, uh, i was just like i'm here i made it and uh and i watched you know as a big number and kevin had this song called knee deep that he was singing the low bass frog voice and uh you know just a, a amazing moment you know to just feel like i I made it. I'm here, and then it was like, now what? <laughs> you know, do I actually get to work? And that, the thing that I did get to work on, it wasn't with a bunch of other performers. Um, Dave Redman was there, and he was an extra performer on it that time, assistant. And um, and he had done characters, I think, on Sesame Street and stuff. But on this particular thing, it was a commercial for the show that I was in, the Here Come the Muppet Show, and I was in Doctor Teeth in the costume, and. The first thing I, I did that morning, the first morning, it was two-day shoot for the commercial. I got to meet Jim Henson, shook my hand, and he said, you'll be perfect for this you know, first scene. And then the director came over, and he's like, you'll be perfect for this first scene. And uh, the producer came over, you'll be perfect for this first scene. <laughs> uh, like, what am I doing? <laughs> and they put me in this ice cream cart. <laughs> it was a tiny look because I was a small, you know, I was a dancer, pretty skinny and short. And I could 
get into this thing on the front of a bike. <laughs> I was in there for a couple hours and cut all my fingers getting in because it was like raw sheet metal in there and it was freezing because I took the dry ice out. It was a working, you know, bicycle ice cream cart. And then but you uh, were perfect for that first scene. It was perfect. And I got to do Dr. Teeth in the ice cream cart with all the other Muppets tied on and the, the, uh, the guy on the bike would go through and then hit a, um, a fire hydrant which would spray a bunch of dancers and it was all on new york street it was like, it was this cool cool scene i never made into into the commercial didn't that scene but we did a lot of shooting and i got got to perform i even got to do kermit's right hand and at the last the second day i think all everyone had left and it was just me and uh david and jim and he started to leave, and uh, the producer said, where are you going? You can't go anywhere. you got one more scene to do with Kermit. And he said, well, I'll let Kennedy do it. I'm getting out of here. And he had to go do Arsenio um, Hall show the next day, I think. So he flew to L.A. So that, and that was, I think, the last thing he did, you know. And this was like the last couple of days of April, and he died on May 16th. So, you know, it was... Uh, uh, it was, and I did. I get, I got to put Kermit on, and I tried to do the scene, and I'm like, this puppet is so big on my hand. <laughs> so I, when I met Jim Henson, I realized this guy has big hands, <laughs> yes. yeah. so he could fill out that face. But it was like, oh, you can't. Uh, I don't, I don't know what you do. <laughs> it's, it's big. It's a yeah. big puppet. Yeah, yeah. I think have, it might have, have been to tailored in a little through the years, but it could, uh, it could have yeah. been. But at that time, it was just like put my hand in a paper bag. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this. You're working at Disney world. You're, you're doing the, the here come the Muppets show. Then, then Jim Henson passes away. Yeah. So he and the deal, sent- go, the deal goes away really from the Disney Muppets deal kind of goes away. What do you think then? And what do you do? Well, if you can imagine, you know, since the age of three and the pursuit of this career and getting to work with my idol and being there with Jim Henson and getting to put my hand inside a Kermit, I mean, I, I cried on the way home. It was just the most emotional thing for me that this happened, you know, and um, um, he said, send a tape. So I had sent a tape and he, uh, he got the tape and he, I got a letter after he died that he had, uh, he had, uh, seen it and I was on file, but I never knew what he thought. I never, you know, I was waiting to see him that day. It was just like the most devastating thing to, to, you know, not, uh, not know what your hero thought of you, but mm. know that he was, you know, that I was just right there. I had done it. You know, it was it was just this weird moment, you know, because um, uh, I felt like I can't give it up now. But it, it was this this uh, overwhelming feeling of I've done all this and I've made it, and now it's all for nothing. And now I'm in a sweaty suit for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, but, that's, uh, but that's not what happened. <laughs> That is no, not what happened. it's not because I had, met, I had met this really cool guy named Joy Mazzarino in my second mm-hmm. workshop, and we stayed in touch. And you know, and I had they they still wanted to do stuff in Orlando, so they did do a workshop in Orlando to find people. And I met Peter Lintz at that time. He came in 
from uh, Georgia for that workshop, but it was after Jim passed away. And, you know, Jim was supposed to teach us in the cost, the characters, uh, the costumes that, uh, you know, the, how to perform the characters a little bit. And he had done videos that we would watch there. They had a cabinet of all the videos and every, everything that I already knew (laughs) from a life of this stuff. (laughs) And everybody's like, we're going to train you how to be Muppets. Now you got to learn about the Muppets. Like, uh, and I developed a twitch at that point. I don't know what it was. (laughs) I, I, you know, I, you can't tell me anything. I know everything inside and out. Everybody, every character, everything that anybody did, I I know this, and you're and somebody who doesn't know this now is teaching me this, <laughs> telling <stuff>. you, and <laughs> we're going to teach you. That's right. I already know I, it. And I said, like, my <laughs> lips started twitching. It was like an Elvis thing almost. I I couldn't stop <laughs> twitch. I just at moments I would just go, stop it. <laughs> it would just start <sighs> twitching. But um, but Jane Henson filled in and taught us all this stuff, and uh, and then so when Kevin and Steve came to do the workshop. Uh, I had worked with Steve. He had heard my Dr. Teeth voice because when Jim, a- Jim asked me, you know, what, we've got all these things going on down here. And no, let me do some of tape. And do you do any character voices? And I said, well, I do some of your voices. <laughs> like an idiot, I did, you know, Fozzie Bear and the Miss <laughs> And then Dr. Teeth. And then, you know, I did all these voices. And, and Jim said nothing. <laughs> he just was like dead silence in the group. This was in front of everybody. And, and Steve was nice. He said, well, it's a pretty good Dr. Teeth, you know. And he remembered that. So I ended up doing the voice of Dr. Teeth for the next live show at Disney World. It, it was mind-blowing that that would even happen. But to, to have played, be in the costume, to then play Dr. Teeth for Jim Henson and have him tell me how to, you know, bob the head and make him laugh through the scene, you know, and then to, like, because I was doing the character, I would always play around and do that voice, you know. And, um, so people had, had, had responded well to that and thought I sounded close. And uh, so, and then Steve with that, and then later on, uh, Steve, you know, saying you, I could do this, you know, if you should ask John to try this, you know, but, um, at this point, um, Joey Mazzarino says, Hey, we're doing this thing. Uh, Kevin says we're doing, uh, he, he wants me to come out to, to audition for this new show called dinosaurs, these big costume characters and stuff. And, I was like, oh, that sounds great. Yeah, let's do it, you know. And I'd spent all my money going to Florida, and now I have no money to go to L.A. So I would borrowed money, you know, to go to Florida. And now it's, this is 10 months later that I finally get this call, you know, ten, uh, it's a hot summer of performing in Florida. And then, Joe, I think it was around New Year's Eve, because I remember uh, being in um, – uh, Indiana back on a break and and getting the call at my parents house from Joey saying you got to come to LA you know Kevin says we can go out there and audition we'll go out together and we'll audition together we'll share expenses it'll be awesome then you can come back to New York or maybe you can come first and then see me working at Sesame Street because he had already got in mm-hmm. and see me you know assisting on Sesame Street and then we'll go from New York to LA together and uh, but he didn't do he didn't end up doing it because I think 
it just they wanted local people there and it would mean him moving and he, i think he still you know he grew up in new york he probably just wanted to stay in new york but we would rather have had them you know fly him out and put him up for the shoot but he still was a new guy so you know it wasn't like it was the same thing you kind of had to be in those areas i had to move to florida and then i had to move to la <laughs> right. to but you, so you got the audition and, i did and, and you decided well okay by Disney World. I'm going to yeah. now move to LA. Yeah, but uh, I had signed a contract uh, for a year. And if I if I uh, didn't stay for a year at Disney, I had to pay back the relocation money. <laughs> so, but uh, the dinosaurs producers are really nice and they paid Disney. Oh, but it was a was Disney nice. show. Well, they're both yeah. Disney. So Taking it out of their same Disney pocket and putting Disney. it in. The, yeah. They were going to have me pay it back. Like, I don't have any money. And <laughs> at that point, and they, so we got the show and it started going and it was top five show. And I, the only money I had was um, a shell credit card. I had no cash. I just had a shell credit, no other credit either. That's all I had established, a shell you know, gas credit card. So I'm performing, uh, you know, assisting the biggest character on one of the biggest shows on network television. And that was Baby Sinclair. Baby Sinclair, right. And you and, were assisting Kevin Clash, who was playing right. that character. Right. And you were doing the eyes, right? You're doing the right, eyes? Doing the eyes, yeah. But yeah. you you're so you're you're working on this character on a top five show and I'm in eating prime sp- time. spaghettios from and you're eating uh, spaghettios from the shell station, yeah. <laughs> they had a little mini grocery store and you could use the shell card to get groceries. <laughs> so that's what I was because they they didn't know it was a hit until we finished like the sixth episode and then it aired like a mid season replacement. And then they said, go away for two months, and we'll come back with some more shows. Like, oh, well, I'm not getting paid for two months. <laughs> like, what am I going to do? Yeah, oh, well. so, but the show was a hit. Yeah, yeah. And then you did ended up doing four seasons of the show. Yeah, 65 and, episodes, yeah. Yeah, what was it like to work on that show? Um, it was the coolest thing. I mean, just go, each it was each phase just got better and better and better of everything that I did. You know, this was Hollywood. I'm on the CBS MTM lot and there's Roseanne and there's Seinfeld and there's a different world. And, uh, you know, this is where they shot the Muppet movie too. It was the same stages. So, you know, the history of it for Muppets and seeing the pond where, you know, that you know it was the Gilligan's Island Lagoon was where they did the Rainbow Connection, and I Steve, didn't know that. And Steve had showed me. You know, see that little bolt on that piece of concrete in the bottom of that pond because the water was was out of it. That's um, that's where they lowered the bathysphere that uh, Jim Henson was in to do. You know, it's just like this is incredible. <laughs> I can't believe I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> The Must stage. have been pinching yourself. I was at every moment, and and to to get to do those, uh, you know, extra characters and be around, you know, the Hollywood stuff, and um, you know, it just was an amazing, amazing time. So you did dinosaurs. It lasted four seasons. Somewhere in there, you got to work on Sesame Street. Yeah, in in L.A. in L.A. on, on that, and then at, on the at the rat party, <clears throat> which was at this uh, wild animal preserve called uh, Shambhala, where there's uh, lions, you know, elephants, and these wild animals from Africa that are uh, you know 
being taken care of because you know some of them are ill or have had uh, the owners uh, have be, are become unable yeah. to take care of them because they are big cats. Yeah, so, so Tippy Hedren owns this. Uh, uh, yeah, I've been there. Preserve. Oh, have you? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's really neat, and we we sang uh, you know lion sleeps tonight uh, in the dark around a campfire, and the lions are roaring around us. It was the neatest thing. Wow. And that night, you know, Kevin said, hey, uh, I could probably use you in, uh, if you move to New York, I could probably use you there. The same thing again. <laughs> I got to move to New York. Okay. So, so you moved to New York. I, I didn't. I didn't do you it didn't. right at first. So I was like, come on. I got, I, you know, I'm, and at that point, you know, I, I was kind of, I still had ties in, in, uh, uh, Florida because my parents moved there after I moved there and then I moved to LA. So I, f- I felt bad. <laughs> my sister moved there and then my parents moved there cause they thought, Oh, we're all moving to Florida now. And then, Oh no, I'm going to LA. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> so I went back and, uh, rented an apartment and, uh, I'd gotten a job with, uh, Ed McMahon at that time. He was looking to do some pilots of kids shows and, uh, got approached to build puppets for that. And I, met him and it was a really funny uh, story of meeting ed mcmahon uh i went up to um uh, the guy that contacted me to, to do it he'd worked on uh, the mickey mouse club show and uh, so that's how he met ed because they were doing star search there and the producers and everything so he had gotten approached to create this show and they needed a puppet builder and so they contacted me and now i'm going showing up to a meeting at the contemporary resort at the suites you know, up there where um, I think uh, Ed had a timeshare up there or something. So we're going up there, and I, he, uh, my friend uh, Sam, he's the one who hired me, and he, he brought me in, and we knocked, and the butler opened the door, and we came in, and I'm hearing a familiar voice, and I come around the corner, and um, uh, in this little mini kitchen in in, in this uh, suite, Ed McMahon turns around with, um, he, he's got a. Uh, uh, an apron on and uh, he's got a pan and he says hey john would you like some fat free brownies Just <laughs> 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 <Is> that image <laughs> and his his wife was there and his daughter and we talked about puppets and i showed photos of stuff and this was before i built them of course so just, he was vetting me to be a part of his group and we talked about the production we were going to do. And then he said, well, I have, uh, I have something I want to show you. Uh, if you want to just come into my bedroom. <laughs> he said, I have, I have a, a videotape I want to show you. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. <laughs> so he came in. I went in there. And uh, I sat down next to him. Just sit right here on the bed right here. And I sat down. And he put in this tape. And he goes, I wanted to show you when uh, uh, Kermit the Frog was on The Tonight Show. <laughs> And so I watched Kermit on the Tonight Show, and Ed McMahon, of course, is the you know he's he's next to Kermit. He said, "I love this part. You know, watch this right here." And we're watching Kermit, watching the Tonight Show together on the edge of the bed. It was a moment. Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> and did you end up doing the building the puppets for? Ed? I did. We shot a pilot. Yeah, we did. I and, think he uh, was trying to connect with you and just say, like, Look, so. you know what? I appreciate yeah. what you do. He didn't send everybody away. It wasn't like totally weird, but it was it was <laughs> a little weird. <laughs> it was a little. Weird. It was a little weird. But I, I felt really privileged that he would want to show me that, and you know, it's connect. Cool. It. Yeah, it was a it was a cool meeting and. 
Uh, and he said, John, you're the, you're the man, you're the man for the job. You're hired, you know? <laughs> so it, it worked out good. And we had uh, shrimp cocktails and celebrated. <laughs> and um, yeah, the pilot, it didn't do anything. I guess uh, Ed reading stories to kids, it didn't come across or so. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Didn't catch but, on. Uh, no, it, um, but uh, it was really neat. It was a neat project to work on and to be a part of that. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I got to hire puppeteers and it was, it was a cool thing. And Ed was really nice, and I'm glad I got to meet him. That's cool that you got to spend some time yeah. with him and do yeah. something creative with with exactly. Ed. Yeah. Did you go back to Disney World? Did you go back to Disney World and work there, or did you? Uh, I did a couple of days because I could keep my status. You know, I could keep my pass to get in as a part time employee, which meant I could go to Disney World every day for free. What's and wrong that's, with that? what, that's what I did. Like for a whole year, I would go to Disney World every day and have lunch and, you know, I just had a blast. So what's the next? I did a couple of uh, local kid shows uh, in Orlando and put a, a reel together again just so, you know, because I had called Brian Henson and he said, yeah, if you, if you send me a tape, I'll, you know, know, you know, more of how to cast you or whatever. So I had done that and I just uh, finally went up and stayed with my uncle again and uh, he was in um, New City, New York at that time, upstate New York. So getting... Uh, my first day of work at Sesame Street, I was two hours late because I missed the bus way out there in the country into the city. And <laughs> luckily, it was right before lunch. So I was filling in for Pam Arciero. I think uh, she was giving birth at the time. So I was just, uh, you know, replacement for the, to help Telly out for that day. But it was like the 25th uh, birthday special of some kind. And time out, John. It's time to ask a puppeteer about not puppets. Ask a puppeteer about not puppets. Today, we're going to ask Bill Beretta a question about not puppets. Bill. What's your favorite breakfast? Hmm. Steak and eggs. Oh. Are you making the steak and eggs? Oh, yeah. Yeah? How do you make oh, them? What do you yeah. do? What do you do? How do you do it? Well, my eggs are over easy. Yeah? There's two of them. Yeah? The steak? My steak, it's a porterhouse. Also over easy? No. Medium rare. Medium rare. Yeah. And I just eat it all. Oh, man. It sounds good. Yeah. In like four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now more with Sesame Street Muppet performer, John Kennedy. And I have to say, John, you're known as one of the great assistants on Sesame oh, Street. Thank you. Whenever I am casting something, there is a fight for you. No. Did well, you know this? Performers come up to me and they say, can I have John? I want John. I, I got to have John. So why are they asking for you, John? What, what is it that you bring to the game as an assist or a right hand? Well, I think it's uh, maybe it's the musicality of learning the mannerisms of the characters, which is what Kevin taught me to do, just to follow him, especially on Baby Sinclair. Baby was alive when he was on set. We didn't talk about, oh, you're going to do this, and then you're going to do that. I mean, I just kind of, you just jump in and know what you might be doing, and you don't ask questions, and you don't uh, get in the way, and you, you, you just... 
you just do it and you make it look good. And I just aim for that. And if they say, you know, don't do that, do this, I go, okay. <laughs> just do that. You know, I don't go, well, I was thinking maybe if I did this, this would be better. You know, you, you just, the character's alive. And I pretty much don't listen to any of that stuff. I just go, that when it's, when we're rolling, that's real, you know, and if it doesn't show true, then I'm doing a bad job. Or if I stand out, I'm doing a bad job. So basically just be quiet, blend in, believe completely in the character and, Make it magical. Yeah, I like that answer. There is a fine line between not pulling focus mm-hmm. and you know pulling focus because you don't want to just be still when yeah. you're an assistant or right hand. You don't want to just be like locked and frozen. <laughs> you want to have some natural movement to it. Make you know right. mirroring, making right. it look like it's part of the, mm-hmm. the the whole package, the big character. Are there any observations that you can say, don't do this? Don't rip the puppet's arm off. (laughs) (laughs) Have you done that? I I have. (laughs) I totally did. Uh, Uh, Frank Oz was doing Fozzie Bear. Oh, no. I was assisting him, and uh, I had to wear these tall shoes just to do his right hand. And um, he he would come in with Fozzie and then turn – and he kind of did, did a hip bump on me, and uh, he sent me flying into some monitors and hurt me a little bit, actually. But Fozzie's arm just went bing and just came right off, and he kept going. He just went right up to the camera and did the scene like nothing was wrong. And I'm in the corner crying. <laughs> Limping, <laughs> trying to find the set medic. And, and it just pinned his arm on. It wasn't like it was sewn on or, oh, there's they have special con- attachments there at Muppets. You know, it's a safety pin. <laughs> just a safety it, pin. That's all it is. <laughs> so they just clipped it back on and we continued. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, Don't do that. So, I almost knocked you over recently too. We did you? In Big Bird, and uh, yeah, uh, I don't know if you remember that. It was a special we did recently, and you you said, uh, oh, "Oh, I just kind of worked that into it." Yeah, you, you said you got two <laughs> seconds to get out of the the glove and then get out of frame because it was like, uh, do you remember this? Where like yes. you, you're starting a song. It's like the mm-hmm. vamp right before you start to sing. And they, so they're going to cut to the, the child actor and the that child actor is going to say something. And it's like three words. And then and that's your chance. Words. That's my to chance. Get to get out. Out. I got three beats to get out of the hand and get out of the shot. And uh, the first, I misjudged it the first time. I went to pull my hand out, and I started to get out of the shot before the arm, my hand came out, and I tugged you. So as you're, you're pulling down a little bit, as I'm just getting out, I got out, but you had to, like, do some kind of a dip or something to make it look like you Incorporate it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you know. Don't do that. that yeah, be- don't do that. <laughs> so the when next a man's time- in a bird suit, you don't want to pull down on the wing. But but usually when I get in a situation like that, people pull out their phones and start videotaping me because and I saw the tape afterwards because I had to do a forward roll just to get out of the shot, like a dive roll like you do in stage combat. Oh, that's right, because they were cutting wide. Yeah, they cut and you back seen wide. Me. That's yeah, right. I, my, I was standing. I fully would have been in the shot because I'm. it's like head to toe, big bird. And and then close up of kid two three, <laughs> head to toe shot a big bird and then where did John go yeah. basically? So yeah. I had to pull out within one beat, 
dive in the second beat and tuck and roll in the third beat. <laughs> That's pretty much what I had to do. And you said, um, you know, I didn't hear you do your I, dive roll. But I then didn't. they said, oh, we're, we're going to pick it up at the wide shot. You don't have to do. And, oh. said, and I just had to. <laughs> so I did it twice. They videotaped it. But uh, and the third one, I just had, we did it, and they stopped. And then they picked up on the close-up and then cut wide. And so you wouldn't see the hand needed to move. You know, I didn't, I didn't need to do it. And I just kind of walked out of the frame. And you said, you know, I didn't hear you dive those two times, but I heard you walk away. <laughs> yeah, I remember. That. <laughs> uh, let's go back for a minute to Muppets Tonight. Okay. What did you do on that show? Well, I was I was only in LA because we were doing a show and tell of this show called Aliens in the Family. And I was staying in the same hotel and they just start uh, some of the other performers and um, they were they were just starting Muppets Tonight and we did our little thing on a soundstage adjacent to the show and I think they had done one episode already of Muppets Tonight and Kevin said um, ooh uh, Paula Abdul's going to be on the show and we need someone to do the boss man and he knew I'd been doing that in New York for a bunch of events and he said why, why don't you stay I'm going to get them to have you stay you know another couple of weeks and then you'll be on this show too because we were, you know, we didn't have to do, we had to be back for Aliens and the Family for a little while, for two weeks anyway. So I stayed and worked on a bunch of those shows and uh, did The Boss Man for, um, uh, what was it, Two Steps Back, uh, Opposites, Opposites Attract, that song was really cool. Uh, Brian Henson did one and I did the other. We kind of bookend the scene, they're so big, you know. And... Uh, I got uh, my hand got nailed to a puppet. Uh, that was yes. Thing. Now this is what I was wanting to hear. <laughs> right. So Pierce Brosnan, yeah, was a guest on Muppets Tonight. Yeah, and, and you were a lobster, were you not? I was. Yeah. Um, it, I was with Dave Goles and Jerry Nelson, and we had those lobster puppets on. We come in and um, to the scene, and we're firing the little guns they have. So they're like. The, the, the little cap guns that you could buy with the little, you know, pink rolls of, uh, I don't know, gunpowder, you know, those were yeah, in those little is. guns. Yeah, you, you smell the gunpowder when they would, you know, it fires. And we were firing those things and hitting a button, I think, and pow, 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 pow. And um, uh, Pierce Brosnan is in a prawn suit as James Prawn. And whatever the song was, Johnny Fiamma's singing, you know, he's out of time and he's firing these real metal alarm clocks at us. So we had hard hats on and firing these guns and he's and they're getting off our head. And uh, he runs out of alarm clocks at some point and he just starts swinging this heavy wooden slingshot at us because that's what he had a big slingshot that's what he was firing them with but the thing was like two inches thick i think it was like real solid wood thing it's you probably needed the tension to get an alarm clock to fire at us at that speed or impact <laughs> and right. um when he started swinging he just this lobster that i had had a wig on and I didn't know it, but there were probably a dozen pins in the wig, you know, holding the wig just straight down in. And uh, when he hit me on the hand, top of the puppet's head, one of those pins, which were big pins, went right through my knuckle. Now, I didn't know that at first. I thought he broke my hand. I really did. Wow. Because I, it, there's a cut there. You don't see him actually. He 
I mean, it's in the show that where he's swinging and you see his hand come down and that's where he hits me. But I went down immediately, you know, just the impact of it just sent my arm down and then they cut wide and my character's just gone. <laughs> so when I'm down there going, I broke my hand and broke my hand. And I start to move my fingers because I, you know, you remember, well, if you can move your fingers, it's not broken. So I start to move it and it feels weird, but I can move them. I go, well, maybe I didn't break them, you know, maybe I didn't break my fingers. So I start to pull the puppet off and it just, it wouldn't, I feel the tug on my knuckle with the pin and I can't get, I can't get it off. And I just kind of panic and I go, <laughs> and I, I rip it out, you know, and, um, I, I look at my hand and it's ble- it's bleeding a lot actually, um, and I'm like I don't know what to do and I they they said well come with me and I, I don't think Pierce Brosnan even knew that he did it, you know it's just so fast and they, you know oh you, you know they, somebody saw the blood and they were like come with me and they sent me to a back room and they kind of cleaned it up and you know and I'm moving around and goes ah well it, you know it, it still stings but it doesn't it's you know I move it it's, I'm fine you know oh no you need to go to the emergency room we got a car coming now to send you and I'm like oh man so I, I leave the set I go to the emergency room and you know, the hardest thing at that point you know it stopped bleeding and it was really it looked like maybe a bee sting or maybe not even that it didn't swell up at all it was just a tiny little pin prick it didn't get black or blue it didn't not it just looked like what's wrong with you i don't were, see were anything you concerned about nerve damage or any kind of damage well to your i hand didn't at that point didn't feel anything wrong with it so i don't know i i just you know it just still you know it hurt a little but it it Whatever happened, that pin must have snaked through the cartilage or something because I think it went all the way through. It didn't bleed on the other side, but I think it went all the way to the You think it went skin from on one side, side of your hand through to the other side? It, it, yeah, in the knuckle, though, right? Right, in, right next to the top of the knuckle and through oh. into there. So, <laughs> so it was pulling yeah. the cartilage when I was trying to get it off. <laughs> okay, that's great. So, yeah, I love, but I it, love that story. But it, <laughs> but it was only hurting the skin part because I guess the you know you don't feel your cartilage. I don't guess, and it didn't hit a nerve, so it wasn't like my whole arm went numb or my you know I lost any feeling or any tingling at all. It was just like. It was just like I slapped my hand on the tabletop, basically, and oh, that stings, that hurts, you know. But you were so lucky. I was. That could have ruined my career right there. But uh, the hardest part of it was having to explain what had happened to me at the emergency room. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm in a prawn, a lobster puppet, and and uh, you, you know, Pierce Brosnan, <laughs> he hit me with a slingshot and it put a pin through my. Never mind. <laughs> uh, just is it okay? That's right. They gave me a tetanus shot. And they felt like they had to do something, and then they uh, took me right back, and I was in the next scene. <laughs> it's like you nothing happened. That. <laughs> you mentioned Jerry uh, in that scene there saying that he was one of the lobsters as well. Yeah. And now I'm going to jump back to Sesame Street because over the years, Muppet performers, when they when they leave or they pass away, they, yeah. their characters live on through another performer. Right. And you have been given the responsibility of, of taking on one of Jerry's characters, Mumford, right. the magician. Right. We haven't seen him a lot, but there have been a few bits with him over the past couple of years. And, few. and he was in the, the special. 
Right. Uh, tell me just a little bit about him. What, what's your take on on Mumford? Well, uh, it's kind of interesting because I, I don't know if you remember, I said East 67th Street. Uh, mm-hmm. When I first showed up at Disney, was exit 67 was where, yeah. 67 is i was born in 67 it's just a reoccurring number for me and a lot goes on and on and on that i can explain but uh, mumford's birthday is six seven get out of here really <laughs> that's something about mumford yeah i i got uh just these weird things happen to me like what it um it came in one of those cereal boxes a little tiny um, you know, Mumford that came in a cereal box and someone gave it to me and I opened it up and it was like, fun fact, Mumford, Mumford's birthday is June 7th. And I was like, another six, seven. <laughs> How is this possible? <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. Tell me about his, like the vocal quality of Mumford for you. Oh, uh, well, he's, uh, he based on another character wc fields basically you know and i I had performed him before in um a halloween special it was back when um jerry had had some uh you know problems with uh lungs and stuff so he had um he needed people to fill in for him and i'd been doing quite a bit of that stuff and uh so he said yeah he's just gonna loop you know you're doing this so but you know i i took it upon myself to do you know an okay job with it and uh, thinking no it never would show up but there is a shot or a scene in there where my voice is in it oh <laughs> they really? forgot they, to loop that they forgot to loop yeah that word or phrase or something that happens sometimes and yeah it's like uh-oh <laughs> well I'm, I'm glad it was good thing kind of thing you made an attempt at the voice then yeah but he was always my favorite character too as a kid i loved magic and you know his all up peanut butter sandwiches was my favorite bit and him you know getting it grover you know his assistant and uh, uh i just uh you know really uh was attached to that and you had um we had done below the frame before and i think the question was asked who's who's your favorite sesame street character current or, or past and uh i was like mumford and i think i said it three times during the thing and then like the next week i got the call for the audition <laughs> like this is really weird <laughs> you you put it out there i, I did in the world and yeah. then it came back to you and and now you're mumford yeah, be careful what you wish for, but uh, right. I feel very lucky to have. I, I would hang out with Jerry a lot um, in uh, some of the you know my earlier days, and you know, he was there for that first commercial. And I, you know, he said, "I figure I've done three hundred characters." You know, you know, at that time, you know, nineteen ninety. I'm sure he probably had done more than that. I'm sure he'd done more. <laughs> but he I had think, to have done more. Yeah, he'd so many great voices and and so distinctive too you know you wouldn't know he did that and this too and you know it's just kind of a, a rock it was really a funny funny guy too i mean he, he was he yeah i remember doing a, a bit with fozzy bear once on a you know just something at the henson lot that was like an internal use thing and uh, or for Disney, or it was something that it wasn't going to air anywhere. But I remember doing a, a bid, and he said, "Oh yeah," and then do this. You know, he just saw where I was going with it, and he would push me to be funnier. You know, and uh, that uh, Robot Lincoln was one of the characters he did <laughs> on, on, Mupp- on Muppets Tonight, and uh, I got to do one of the hands. I think 
um, Leslie Carr Rudolph was one hand and I was like the other hand. It was like such a big puppet, you know, and, or maybe we were bunnies. I don't know. There was just, it was a weird, these scenes were so bizarre sometimes that there were bunnies and robot Lincoln and <laughs> going haywire. <laughs> but, uh, he was just so, so great to work with because his, his timing and, and his, the voices and the characters he created. So I feel really honored to even be mentioned in the same sentence with him. He was a great guy. Yeah. Did did you guys ever uh, bond over music? Because you're both musical. Uh, yeah. In fact, uh, Muppets Tonight. Um, and I didn't know this. I didn't know he wrote songs. I, I mean, I knew he played because he would he would play guitar and and sing at um, Muppet uh, Sesame Street rap parties. So uh, I knew that, and I knew he played with some other guys up in Cape Cod or something. And uh, so yeah, one day. Um, I, we were, it was before we were shooting, we were just at our hotel, you know, and, um, this was in North Carolina, just out on the deck where they had us. And, uh, I was playing Mississippi mud on my ukulele, you know, the sun goes down, time goes out, get shot. Hey, hey, Uncle Dud, you know, and that's one of the, I think he sang that in the the Muppet show on the Muppet show album one. I think it's on like the opening song, I think. And um, he was listening, and I didn't know it. And he like, bravo, after I was done, you know, I was playing that. <laughs> he was like, hey, give me that thing. And then he started to play uh, uh, Noah's Ark, this song that he does. It was on his album that he did in you know, later years. But And I didn't know he wrote it. I thought, oh, that's some weird, you know, 40s song that he knows, <laughs> you know, from way back, you know. I didn't know it was his song, but he did the whole song for me and played it and... That was so cool. And uh, we would hang out, you know, um, J- uh, John Henson and and, uh, and and Jerry Nelson and I would sometimes go, you know, somewhere after work and hang out, you know. And we we had a lot of fun. You know, it was, it was I remember having uh, Dave Goals and Jerry Nelson. I, they were working in L.A. and they said, where's a good place to eat, John? And, you know, so I had to go find a restaurant for them to eat at. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just around the corner from where I was staying, you know, by the Beverly Center. But uh, but uh, it was so cool. It just, I mean, what do you say? I'm like, I'm I'm hosting a dinner with with uh, with, with Dave it's and Jerry. Cool, yeah, right? like, these people that you idolized yeah, really when you were when you were a kid. Uh, yeah, and then now you're working with them. Yeah, I mean, it's some of the it's uh, when I think of those moments, it it. It blows me away. I, I know. I'm so stunned that we've gotten to work with some of those people that that we so looked up to when yeah. we were kids, and then getting to work with them and and call them friends. Yeah, I know. And it's it's pretty rare and a really amazing mm-hmm. amazing thing. I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, me too. And yeah. uh, it just. You know, like uh, you do that digital flip from that. You know, seeing that video come down and on Saxon violence, and there's those guys. I want to meet those. I want to work with those guys mm-hmm. someday. And now I'm having dinner with them. <laughs> it's I know. just uh, unbelievable. It, yeah how how does this happen? You know, dreams yeah. do come true. <laughs> they really do. In your career, favorite character? Uh, I would say Mel the dog. It's not a Muppet character, but yeah. I sure love that. You were there, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember, Jack's Big Music Show. Yeah, Jack's Big Music Show. Just because of music. You know, that's the only reason. You know, Sesame Street has a lot of great music on it. But these were like, um, it, would, it was kind of like what I would have guessed 
being on the actual Muppet show would have been, you know, and I always loved those musical numbers because they didn't have to make sense to the story or anything. It was just, let's do a wacky song and here you do a pig and you do a sheep and you do, and they would put a thing together and it was all creative and fun and musical and just Muppets tied to music as my favorite thing and any puppets in general tied to music and and that show in particular just focused on music. Jack's big music show, and I got yeah. to play this character that didn't. I had no lines. I only said rough, and not you know wolf or bark or anything. It was just, it was woof. You know? Yeah, but, you, <laughs> it was but when you did it, it was it meant something very specific yeah. each time. Rough. And that it was, was that show was created by David Rudman. Yes, David Rudman, and uh, he played Jack. And it was a very small set, and it was just a handful of people. And there, it wasn't like, you know, big shows, you'll have a lot of network people there and a lot of voices and stuff. And it was just like, it was kind of like we were doing summer puppets at Dave's house, you know? <laughs> it was like a summer camp or something. Yeah. I, I remember coming and working on that show, and I loved it. I mean, I just got to come in and guest for a couple of oh, different yeah. shows. But it was it just was such a great atmosphere, and Dave David has this wonderful manner about him yeah. when he's directing. He's just very calm. Everything's very mm-hmm. calm, you know? Yeah. Well, you, John, are probably the hardest working man in puppetry. You are always working on something, like no, I said. No, I think it's you. I, <laughs> you no, I'm not. Too. I'm a loafer. Look, you, you've got your company. You, you, what are the kind of projects that you work on as a work for hire? Uh, well, I do stuff for Universal and Disney. I'll make practice puppets and um, uh, Halloween Horror Nights. I'll do puppets for that, uh, theme parks. And uh, I get calls all the time for startup projects. You know, like I'm doing several right now. Where, um, uh, and I do workshops as well. That was the main part of my um I say business uh, is doing workshops for kids. I've done cruise ships and I've the Henson Henson foundation, I believe has sent me all over the world to do workshops wherever there was a Henson exhibit. And, um, and so I've drawn from my books that uh, those are all just projects. You know, I said, my, my mom didn't know how to make puppets. And so I had to figure it out. So those are things. And I tell those stories, how I came up with that idea. You know, I mean, is that why you decided to write books on, on how to make puppets is, is that when you were a kid, there wasn't that kind of thing out there, or at exactly. least you didn't have access to it. And there might be kids out there today who are looking to make puppets. Well, I would go to the Plainfield Public Library like every month and to see if there's an, could there be another puppet book in there? Maybe one for me, you know. Uh, the only one that, I, you know, I really, you know, could figure out things that I could do that were kind of like Muppets was of Muppets and Men. So I could look at all those. You could see people building the puppets and, you know, making characters for the Muppet show and like that. But your, your books are a little different. They are literally yeah. step by step and you really can. Yeah make some cool stuff in those books. Yeah, I wanted it to be accessible, you know, for kids to, you know, well, here's something I could make out of a sweatshirt sleeve, you know, so I have the sweatshirt sheep, you know. If people want to get in touch with you about workshops or puppet building, where do they go? Uh, Well, they can go to puppetkit.com is my website. I also have Johnny K Band, which features some of the music I've written in my album, but... uh, um, 
they can go, I mean, I guess I'm on Facebook. You can yeah. <laughs> send me so something public, there. Publickit.com and, yeah. and Johnny K Band. And this yeah. is what I was going to ask next is, you know, yeah. you're, you're a musician. You play very, you play a lot of different instruments. Name the instruments that you play, John Kennedy. Uh, harmonica, bass guitar, banjo, ukulele, some regular guitar. I guess that's probably all I would say. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I have played the drums on things and bongos and stuff like that. But I, I'm not really that good of a rhythm person. You know, just I get by with puppets, and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> and you made this CD. I did. Called, yeah, called Walk the Loop. <laughs> Tell me about that kind of creative venture. Uh, well, my grandfather was a musician. He was a trumpet player. In the big band era, the 30s and, and, and 20s, he, he was traveling with a band, and that's how he met my grandmother, was uh, at a train station, at the train station hotel. She was a cigarette lady, you know, the mint cigarettes. She was in the lobby, and that's where they met and got, I think, married like a month later. <laughs> but uh, he was a trumpet player. He was really good, and... Um, a lot of the songs that I do have a trumpet in it or, you know, I just, you know, he wanted me to play the trumpet. That was the first time it was like, you're going to be a trumpet player. You're going to follow <laughs> my footsteps. And I did play some and I played the marching French horn in the marching band in high school. And that's kind of like a trumpet, you know, it looks like a yeah. trumpet, but it's a little bigger French horn uh, parts. But, um, I just love that side of my family, the musical side. And I feel like I want to be, I just want to flex that part. You know, you've made That's albums right. as well. Sure. And, yeah. It's fun to be able to just create yeah. and do something different than what you do for a career sometimes. Yeah. And, and I like meeting musicians and hiring them to play parts for me that I make up. I just enjoy yeah. that the best, you know, to, to sit in the studio and I, here's the song and I wrote, here's the, here's the track. I, you know, my bad version of it. Now you do <laughs> make, it good. You know, make it good. And they do it's just incredible, you know, musicians that I well, work it's an, with. It's an awesome album and well, uh, you made, you're welcome. And you made some videos for it. There's one that's called I'm your best friend. Yeah. My dad was a big model train enthusiast, so oh. it brings up a lot of good feelings for me when I see the, the video. I just rewatched it this morning as well. It's great. It's a great, catchy song, too. Thanks. There's a trumpet in there. It does, and, yeah. And, and the got, train. Like, yeah. my grandfather was on the train. Yeah, you know. Train. And it's also got a special guest appearance by Leslie Carrara Rudolph. That's right. That's <laughs> really cool. Central Station, and uh, we danced, yeah. and nobody, nobody noticed nobody, us at all. Nobody batted an eye. Well, only one lady walked by, and she noticed us, came up, and said, Those are the old dances. <laughs> <laughs> all right, John, I'm going to ask you some, some rapid fire questions. Okay. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? Uh, is that one of them? Oh. <laughs> no. Uh, here we go. What's the hardest part about being a puppeteer? Uh, some of the positions you have to get in. What's the easiest part? Is when you have no lines. <laughs> <laughs> what is your biggest strength as a performer? Uh, being able to throw a prop and hit a spot. What's your biggest weakness? Weakness, probably uh, being uh, funny all the time. <laughs> 
timing. <laughs> what is one of your favorite things about being a Muppet performer? Just being in the presence of Muppets. <laughs> Just being there. So if you weren't a puppeteer, what would be your career? I probably would be a camera guy. Oh. So the same timings and things that you do with, I mean, I considered that, you know, deeply at that point, you know, if I don't do this dream thing, maybe I'll just work at a TV station and maybe there'll be the opportunity to do a puppet now and then. Okay. There are probably some people listening that want to hear you tell them what they have to do to become a Sesame Street Muppet performer. So what, what would that be? Uh, well, they have to have a camera and a monitor to practice with, and they have to do it more than once. <laughs> they, have to, they have to spend a lot of time, a lot, a lot of time, and, and think that you can do it, but know that it's really hard to do it. That's good. I like that. Okay, this last one now. I mean, we have detailed a lot of things like this, what I'm going to ask you here today. Okay. I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, Jerry Nelson once said to me, Sesame Street's great, but always have something that is your own that you create. Now, I usually ask, what was that for you? My right. you know, creative thing that's your own. But for you, John, I'm just, you, you've told us so many different things that you've done and, you know, you're do it every day. So I'm going to ask you, what is it that you haven't done yet that you want to try that's a new thing that's all your own that you create? Oh, well, I know. I've got a couple things. Well, one, it, one is, and it's. Uh, I got at one point. I got to do uh, Floyd for a little while, perform one of Jerry's characters, and uh, his bass guitar had this cool thing. You pull on a string, and the hand, the the right hand, because he's a left hand bass player, his right hand would go up and down the the bass frets. You know, so you could move that like that. Uh, you know, being a musical person, I I really want to create this mechanism that I can pull because I was doing this with the character. I was pulling the string at, at an angle and then moving the rod and doing both things at once. And I think at the the O2 arena, I I was doing that as well with Janice. She had a guitar thing, and I was able to use two. She doesn't have a string, but she had two rods, and I was able to get. Uh, I do this thing that's like a, a air guitar thing that uh, when I did my uh, uh, audition at Disney World with Steve and Kevin, uh, I showed off the fact that I could play air guitar doing uh, two rods in one hand. You know, normally you'd have an assistant that would help you do the other hand, but I could do, but there was no no guitar obviously in that, but I could do things with, and I'm, I'm double jointed, you know, so that helps. <laughs> I can do things with my, my thumb that, that you know, with rods and things that are kind of crazy. And, um, so doing that air guitar with, with Janice and then doing the pull string with Floyd. So I want to build this mechanism. It's just something I've, I've just, I'm dying to do it. And I, cause I, I love every guitar solo in every song every ever written. And I've, I've committed to memory all these songs and someday I'm just going to have fun. And I just want to do that. I want to have a puppet band. And that's really the, the essence of Johnny K Band. I really want to do a music video where I have my character that plays guitar and I want to hire that person who's a really amazing, like Eddie Van Halen kind of guitar player and have him, I want to write the song, have him play it, and then have me 
you know, do the, the thing where the fingers are moving and it's up and down the strings and having him strum the guitar parts and, and all by myself, not with an assistant, but to have that dexterity to do that. I already see it. I know how it's going to work. And I just, I'm always tied up with other things and I can never have time to just do that. John, thank you so much for talking with me. It was, it was sure. been great spending time with you. You too. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. That's Below the Frame. If you are on social media, follow us on Instagram and Twitter and and Facebook and let us know what you think. Our show today was produced by me. Our theme song was written by Stephanie DeBruzzo and performed by the Mighty Weaklings. Our podcast artwork was created by Dave Holtine at DaveHoltineDesign.com. Peter Linz was the performer in our Word from our sponsor player's ad for Double Stick Tape today. Thank you, Peter. Thanks to John Kennedy, my son Jack, and his best friend Devin for being on the show today. And thanks to you, the fans, for listening. I am Matt Vogel. We will see you next time when we go below the frame. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.